One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey everyone, this is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Monday, May 28th. I'm Chris Hardy. Today we're featuring an episode from another Vice podcast, Radio Motherboard. We really liked their interview with Jane Goodall and we wanted to share it with y'all. If you like what you hear, make sure to check out Radio Motherboard for more science and tech reporting. They're great. On this Radio Motherboard, Vice reporter Kaylee Rogers interviews Jane Goodall, our favorite and foremost expert on chimpanzees. This episode came out just before the September release of the documentary Jane, which drew from hundreds of hours of never-before-seen National Geographic footage and tells Goodall's incredible story. In the film, you see her challenge the male-dominated scientific field and radically alter how we understand the natural world. In this exclusive Vice interview, Goodall talks chimps, feminism, and because we cannot help ourselves, Donald Trump. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Radio Motherboard. I'm Kaylee Rogers. Today I have a really special interview for you guys with Dr. Jane Goodall. I'm sure you know who Jane Goodall is, but just in case you need a reminder, she is one of the world's foremost experts on chimpanzees. She's an anthropologist, a conservationist, and pretty much a global idol in science. I got the chance to speak with her last week because she has a new film coming out with National Geographic. It's a documentary about her life with footage from her very first excursion into the jungle when she was just 26. And it's narrated by Dr. Goodall, so you get kind of a reflection of her career and what this meant for her. I spoke with her and the film's director, Brett Morgan, and we kind of ran the gambit. I mean, we were talking about Donald Trump, women in STEM, conservation, and whether or not Dr. Goodall has hope for the future. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Jane Goodall. You know, I watched the film last night, and I think it was really remarkable getting to see all this old footage that was taken, you know, back on your first excursion. Why was it lost in the first place, and how was it sort of rediscovered? It wasn't so much as lost as nobody was looking for it. and It was forgotten. It was forgotten. I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's right. It was forgotten, and it came to light. When it I, was needed. Thank you. She's absolutely right. And, you know, I think that it was the the fact that we premiered the film the week that Hollywood is immersed in these terrible scandals. Um, and the wildfires. And, and we just had the earthquakes and, and we've had Donald the floods and, and Donald Trump. And It makes perfect sense that we end the year on a positive note and can explore the life of a woman who triumphed over every possible obstacle to achieve her dreams. You know, I cover conservation at Motherboard and... Obviously, you have dedicated your career to really advancing that, but at the same time, we're seeing a, a point in history when, you know, conservation is kind of more important than ever. We're not, we're seeing a decline in, in many species and especially primates. Except us <laughs> and rats and, yeah, us rats, cockroaches, we're all going up. And so what can, why is it 
so much harder, even though we understand so much more about these species now and people love them and, and get an opportunity to see them and, and learn about them, and yet we're still not taking care of them. The problem is that we get politics, we get corruption, we get people who value money over future generations. So people are making decisions not based on how will this affect our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, but how will it affect me now, my next political career, my next shareholders meeting. And we've got tied up in a materialistic uh, society where value is set on making money and gaining power rather than on having a good life and thinking about future generations. How do you connect that for people who, you know, might watch a film like this and delight in it and enjoy it, but then, you know, go out and are buying products with palm oil in it without thinking about it? They, they maybe aren't connecting their own actions and their own choices to how it affects wildlife. How do you make that connection for people? Well, I, I do it through our youth program, Roots and Chutes, where the main message is that every one of us makes a difference every day. And if we think about the consequences of what we buy, what we eat, what we wear, which means learning a bit about it, of course. But the kids do. And the kids are influencing their parents and their grandparents. And some of those parents and grandparents are in politics uh, or their teaching, or their parents, you know. Do you have maybe more faith in the next generation that's coming up to to really take on this matter and, and preserve all the wonderful species that we're starting to lose? I have to have more faith, and that's why I'm 300 days a year on the road, because, you know, we've got to give our children hope. Right now it's it's tough, but if our youth loses hope, then they'll do nothing, and we may as well forget it. Because if you don't have hope, you, you do nothing. What's the point? One of the things that's also come up a lot this year is, is challenges with science communication and the public maybe not totally trusting science or understanding the scientific process and scientists wanting to find out how do we engage the public more, how do we be more transparent and accessible. When you say people not trusting in science, you're talking about President Trump. President Trump and, and people in his administration and, and many people voted for I mean, there's been a lot of anti-science rhetoric. He's mm. picked them and put them in these high up places, mm -hmm. climate deniers, and it's unbelievable. And so how can scientists sort of combat that with, with better communication or, or outreach? Or, or I mean, this has obviously been a big part of your career is moving from just the research on to communicating with the public. Do you think that that's the key? I would say that one good thing Trump has done, really good thing, is woken people out of their apathy. Scientists, I don't think ever before, have left their ivory towers, marched in the streets, unheard of. But they have. So it's just a question of follow-up, and that's where I think Roots and Shoots. So you talk about what you think with this film will do. Rest my voice. Well, I think, I, I, I think to get people engaged, um, you know, what, what the film tries to do is is approach it from a very kind of humanistic sort of relatable level that we're not asking people to walk out of the I'm I didn't I didn't create the film to mobilize people but I think it is a, I think it's an inevitable takeaway from the film and I think that's what makes it more effective you see sometimes when you make social message films they only go to the they only preach to the choir and so it's, it's very frustrating because you make these great films, but the only people who are going to go see them are the people who, who already support you. Yeah, I believe with this film, because of Jane, because Jane sort of transcends politics, I believe transcends politics, 
and chimpanzees everybody loves. I think it's a, a great way to engage people without them feeling like it's a liberal, they're getting hit over their heads. I, I do think that the film is is moral and almost apolitical in that context, that this is a moral issue, not a political issue, so to speak, that's on display. Totally apolitical. Yeah. And I have to be apolitical, but you know, there are times when you can't. There's times when you literally have to speak out against policies that are so terrifying for, you know, I've got grandchildren and they're probably okay, but what about their children? A thing that really struck me watching this footage was that this was such a sort of non-traditional way of, of going about an experiment. Like, I feel like this would maybe not even be something that would happen these days, you know, send a young woman into the jungle, live with the chimps and like, let's see what happens. Do you think that we're losing any like that? <laughs> Lewis Leakey sent me for a very specific purpose. He was searching for fossils of Stone Age men and women. And uh, you can tell a lot from a fossil about what the creature looked like, what it was eating from toothware, the tools on the living floor, what sort of tools were they. But you can't tell about behavior, it doesn't fossilize. So he felt, as is now believed generally, I don't suppose Trump believes in it, but anyway, uh, rational people do, that we had a common ancestor about six million years ago and one from this ape-like, human-like creature, chimps and the other apes and humans. So he reckoned if Jane can find behavior similar or same, chimps today and humans today, that maybe we brought that with us from that common ancestor. And therefore, he could begin to guess how early humans might have behaved, kissing, embracing, holding hands, being territorial, being good parents and having family relations. Do you think that we could benefit more from this kind of experiment? I feel like, like I said, I feel like it maybe wouldn't go this way now. There's so much bureaucracy and like, you know, it's so hard to get funding and grant proposals and all that stuff. Do you think it would be better if we could be a little more flexible with it and, and choose the researchers who we thought were best, you know, suited for it rather than necessarily who's got the most degrees or something? Well, I think there are people who've realized that. You know, I was just in San Francisco with this organization, WCN, Wildlife Conservation Network, and this wonderful man, Charlie Knowles, who was made a, a, a huge fortune with, with um, you know, in Silicon Valley. And so he brings together young people from the field or people sort of wanting to go on in the field with people who've made lots of money but love conservation. And it's brilliant. So he's affected conservation, people going out in the field all over the world. It's just, it's an amazing experience. He brings them together once a year. You mentioned um, that you feel like this timing is really good for this film because it's obviously a story of a remarkable woman and science and conservation. How, do you think that that is a, a message in the film, even though it's maybe more subtle or more, um, like you say, apolitical? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's inherent in the, the, the story and the film about a woman who has a dream and satisfying that dream at whatever costs. And I think that um, it's, it's incredibly inspiring to see that Jane was able to achieve what she did without compromising herself, without compromising her integrity. And um, it's a message of hope. Yeah. It's a message of hope. And it's a very simple level. It's about pursuing your passion, finding something in life that you're passionate about and pursuing it at all costs and not allowing anyone to derail you. 
I think that there's uh, some deeper coding within the film. I'm, we always reference the um, Jane's relationship with her mother and how important it was that Van listened to Jane. She was supportive like Flo. And how important that is for young women to, to have that sort of support from both their mother and their father. And young men too. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because prior to putting the film into the world, I made the mistake of thinking and telling people when they said, why did you do this film? I said, well, I have a young daughter. She's 14, and I, you know, I'd, I'd like to make a film about someone who can be inspiring for her. But as I sit here now, I realize that it's of equal importance, if not more, for my two young boys, for them to be able to see a powerful woman achieving her dreams. And the film does play across gender lines, for, particularly with young kids, I think mm. with Roots and Shoots, it, it's, mm. it's equal probably with, and with also boys and girls. And also, Hugo is a model, too. You I mean, see, exactly. it's not just he, me, it's no, Hugo. Oh, it's Hugo, it's Jane, yeah. it's mm. Philip Glass. I mean, there, the interesting thing about this film is it really is, in some respects, what unites all of us is passion. Mm. And that both Philip and Jane and Hugo and I all had a dream when we were very little. I knew nothing, like Jane, I didn't know anything other than the dream of being a director. Philip only dreamed of being a composer. I think Hugo understood at a very young life that this is what he wanted he to did. do. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's so what you're seeing in this film is really a display of passion. Was this, I mean, growing up, you know, and, and learning about your story and your research, in my generation, it always felt as though, oh, of, of course a woman could do this. Like, why not? What, there shouldn't be any reason why she shouldn't. As a young child and as you were starting your career, did you feel that there were barriers? Well, I mean, I knew everybody said I'd never do that, but not mum. And my family was, you know, very close, very supportive, so I didn't care what anybody else said. And I knew I could do it. I'd watched animals all my life. And throughout your career, did you, did you find challenges from people questioning you? You just said, I knew I was going to do it. You, you, you don't mean you knew you were going to go to Africa and live with animals. I did. He did. So confident. I knew I was going to go to Africa and live with animals. But nobody just went to Africa and lived with animals other than Tarzan. <laughs> well, I was right. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I was meant to do what I did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and if you look through my whole career, which there isn't time to do, um, you'd see that things happened, and I'm sure they happened for a reason, and I don't believe in coincidence. I think that I was given a mission, and I feel, you know, I feel something up there pushing. There's a wonderful expression, luck is when opportunity meets preparation, and I, I, I feel I that's very prepared. true in your life. Do you feel like you have achieved your mission? No, not yet. I'm trying to save the world from, from future generations. I won't do it in my lifetime, but hopefully with all our roots and shoots, you know, a hundred countries, 150,000 active groups, all ages, they'll do it. And so in a way, it'll, it'll be your legacy. Change Johnny Appleseed. Yep. It's true. Mm. It's the last 30 years is sprinkling mm. your seed all over the planet. Mm, I've sprinkled it everywhere. <laughs> For more on my chat with Jane and to learn more about the film, check out my story on Motherboard. It's at motherboard.com. Vice.com. Thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.